Welcome to the Reds Report. I'm Joshua Cloak of The Athletic. I'm Oliver Platt of Pro Soccer USA and the TFC Report. So here we go, trying episode number two. Uh, we're going to get this thing going. We've moved to a different room. It's got a bit of a view. Less echoey, hopefully. Hopefully. We are still at the BMO training grounds uh, after a full week of training, which kind of feels strange for TFC right now. Yeah, and quite nice. Get an opportunity to actually get out there and, and work on a few things that obviously haven't been working in the past few weeks. And, and Greg Vanny was talking about just getting players a little bit of a rest as well. Um, getting them a chance to, to take a breath, which has obviously been in short supply this season. Well, I think that's probably what was... I mean, we're going to get into... We're going to talk about a lot of things this week. One of them being the notion that TFC's season is, is close to going off the rails and the sense of panic that may or may not be developing within this team. And that's something that we haven't seen is, is, is a full week off to just kind of regroup, clear people's minds and just say, okay, where are we at? What do we need to work on? And can we, can we properly get guys healthy? And that, the, the interesting thing is, you know, early in the week, um, all signs, to me at least, pointed towards Nick Hagelin, Eric Zavaleta being ready for Friday. Mm-hmm. Participated in full team training from what we see from our limited time that were actually allowed to watch the team in right, training, right. but they moved well, seemed in good spirits. Um, and as much as the there is this fight for TFC to get fully healthy, and then we can properly start um, judging the club and judging what the season could be, Still a bit of a setback as as Greg kind of reveals that we shouldn't expect to see Nick Haglund in the 18 Friday against Orlando. No, it sounds as if Haglund, he, like, he looks like he's moving totally freely out there, which right. is, gives the impression he's ready. But it sounds like he's not training fully and won't until, I assume he'll be back in on Saturday or Sunday mm-hmm. uh, for a session. So he won't play at the week, uh, on Friday night. Zavaleta, it sounds like maybe limited minutes at this point. I, I get the impression that it's more like Mavinga was last week, where we could potentially see him in relief. But it should be noted that Mavinga and Gregory Vanderweel right, are right. fine. Yeah. I think I think those you know those four maybe not so much Vanderweel, but those three players: Mavinga, Zavaleta, Haglin. When we talk about this center back crisis mm-hmm. that this team is engulfed in, those are the players that you kind of want to get constant injury updates on. Yeah. And it seems like we can safely remove... I think Mavinga, if not starting, which I do think he will start. Yeah, I think he could too. It seems like Mavinga has, is, is now fit enough to be in the 18 every match from here on in. Yeah, I think the only concern is pushing him too hard and having uh, some kind of recurrence of the injury. But as of now, I think he's good, yeah. But that's the interesting thing is that, you know... A lot of what Vanny was talking about this week was getting players sharp and getting players kind of mentally refocused. And you you get the sense, sorry, I get the sense that there really isn't enough time anymore to kind of give players 20 or 30 here to just see where they're at. Like, I think, um, I think that's what I learned from Vanny this week is that the expectations surrounding this club have not changed. And you can't, you know, it, it's it's not March or, or mid-April when it's, you know, you, you can say, well, guys are just trying to find their legs. I think players 
I think Vanny is still expecting a lot from a player like Chris Mavinga because if, if he's fit, we know what he's capable of, right? Yeah, it's a tough balancing act because you've got to be careful of what you do with players now that could impact them later in the year. So that's yeah. why Josie Alston has been shut down, for example, and they want to get that problem out of the way so it's not bothering him. Just a quick side note, I, I actually saw Josie for the first time today and I was surprised. Right. Yeah, full crutches yeah. and straight up leaning on crutches, which is not a surprise. It's just when you see Josie Altador, who we have come to know as the player that can be depended on in big game moments, when you see a player in crutches, you get a sense of how far away he is. Like, yeah, for sure. I don't think we should be looking at Altador until after the World Cup. What do you think? No, I don't think so. And what was interesting as well was that um, that is an injury that has been bothering him this season, which is something we suspected. I think that yeah, that was I think that was you. Yeah. Asked that. Like, and and that's that's interesting as well because Greg has said one of the most interesting things that I've taken away from the last few weeks of training is Greg kind of admitting that they might have rushed players back. Oh, I think they did for sure just to try and get this Champions League one. I don't think Vasquez plays a part at all in if these are MLS games. And then you have to start saying, well, I mean, let's wait until the end of the season to ask, was it worth it? But mm. you, you're going into Friday um, without Javinko suspension. And, and should we talk about that? Like, should we talk? We we hadn't planned about uh, planned on talking about this, but Seba hasn't. Seba did speak after uh, New England, but yes, it it astounds me that a player like Sebastian Javinko, who has as much international pedigree as any MLS was as, as any Toronto FC player. Mm still does these kind of things grabbing a player in the face sinks to their level like yeah it's pretty inexcusable really particularly given the context and you know there are a lot of people saying that it wasn't malicious and there's no it's not violent but you just can't do that and everyone the rule knows, is the rule you, everyone knows you can't do that and it was a, a real lack of maturity I think on Jovinko's part but I've said it before and I think I tweeted it as well like I Seba is for all his otherworldly talents, not the best quote. And he, uh, when I had a chance to interview him uh, before the season, for the book I was working on, we were talking about getting fouled in MLS, and he just said, it was pretty revealing. He said, When I get angry, all I see is black. <laughs> and you kind of stop and say, Okay, like that's a bit of an insight into the way he operates. Like there's no, like he's zero to, to 60 very quickly. Um, and what frustrated me, going back to that New England game, what frustrated me about that is you still have a few minutes left. Mm. Oh yeah, you have a bit like you have a bit of momentum, and if you allow the New England player to smack the ball out of your hands, you stop, you raise your hand, say, "Look at this." All we're talking about is how childish that move was. Maybe you get a yellow card, but you certainly keep the momentum you have. That ended the match. That ended any hope of salvaging a 3-3 draw. Yeah, and Michael Bradley was talking today about how he was kind of optimistic about the way the team had been able to keep playing yes. at 3-0 down. And there's a quote here I'll read out. If things shake out a little differently, then I think we all like our chances of getting back to 3-3. Which, which is <laughs> not so subtle. Out differently, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that kind of 
again, if we're talking a little bit more about training this week, that's what was really interesting is is this was the first time, uh, at least on Tuesday, this was the first time that Vanny had to answer questions this season about a sense of panic Mm. and a sense of uh, disappointment surrounding the team's results. he was very clear. He he essentially said, "Look, we're not in. You know, we're, we're not panicking just yet. We're not in the red zone." Um, Alex Bono saying, "Expectations certainly have not changed. We still expect to do the same things we did last year." But one thing that Vanny said that really lends or, or really helps the idea that they needed this week was he said, "At some point, we're just trying to stop the bleeding." Which to me speaks to an understanding on his behalf that things aren't just bad. Things are really, really bad with regards to injuries. And he knows that these injuries aren't just expected injuries. These are things that could threaten the entire season. Yeah, Um, that's a pretty shocking thing to be talking about if we put it in the context of this Team 1 MLS Cup however many months ago. And it's May and we're talking about the season could be... In real danger here. Yeah. He, do you think that, do you think that, um, well, I guess what could Greg Vanny be doing differently right now, if anything? Um, I think the big thing I saw in the New England game was just that way too many risks were taken in terms of the way they were playing out of the back. And, you know, Agro Keche is going to get all the criticism for giving the ball away three times. And we before. will talk about Agro. <laughs> we... We will talk about Agra Keche. And then some of that criticism is merited, but he was also put in pretty terrible situations, particularly on the first two goals, where he was just tossed a bomb, basically, and, and told, you know, deal with this. Especially that, 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 that Bono pass. Yeah. A very strange it. sequence of events. First from Bono, just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You're already down. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you're, you're on the road. Just get rid of it. And... That you, we had talked a bit about, um, you know, Michael Bradley at center back, and for a while it looked like it worked. Yeah. Um, and you made the point before we started recording that it's less about now you have to get Michael Bradley off center back because he's not playing as well as maybe other center backs would. Mm. You have to get him off center back because he's missed in the midfield. And yeah. if it's Bradley receiving that kind of strange pass from Bono. There's the the expertise, there's the know-how, there's the experience there that he knows how to get rid of that ball much quicker and much into a much more safe position than Aguirre For sure. And, you know, I, I don't know what else you do, but if you want a criticism of Vanny as well, a, a Delgado-Akeche pairing in front of a makeshift defense as it is, mm. it's, like, it's just not enough protection. And the way they try to play in such an open way in terms of passing the ball through the middle of midfield, I th- it was playing into New England's hands from the start there, really. And, and I think he has to take a little bit of the criticism for that defeat as much as there was individual errors that plagued it as well. So he was asked this week, are there times where you just want to see your defenders just basically hoofing it out of the back? Mm. And he said, there's very few coaches, if any, who want to play through things more than I like to play through things. That's how I was as, as a central defender. I don't want to just see any risk and just st- and started lumping the ball. But it's finding the right balance right now, and sometimes I think we are taking a little bit of risk when we need to, and I don't think we're seeing any value in it. Mm. Um, 
the problem is still like if you're gonna if we assume a thing is ready yeah and if we assume that Zavaleta could be used I mean I'm a believer that what's the point of having him off the bench start him and see what you have yeah and, and like the, you're not bringing on a center back like who knows what could happen at who knows what the score will be at half the only Get. scenario I could potentially see is Mavinga not being ready to go 90 and so he plays 60 and then Zavaleta gets the last half hour potentially. Do you still, and we're talking, we're trying to talk about what Greg Vanny should be doing. Do you still have anybody you can play at centre back that isn't a big bald headed American? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Vanderweel, I guess, would be the guy who wasn't there last week. But I just, I just don't know if... I mean, how does that, does that look like? Three or four in the back? I don't know um, if Vanderweel alone in a three-back system. I don't think Vanderweel is enough of a, an organizer and a vocal enough player and has had enough time in this lineup to be the sole kind of center back. Yeah. If, if, if You know what I mean? Yeah. If I had to guess, I would go Auro, Vanderweel, Mavinga, Morgan. Mavinga in the center. Yeah. Have we seen that a lot? Not a lot, but mostly because they've been playing three at the back. I think he can do it. I, um, I think he can too because there's there's just enough natural ability there. Yeah, but yeah. what we what has always stuck out to me about Mavinga is his ability to chase down wingers. And you're you're a bit I, yeah. isolated. Isn't the right word, but you're still you, you're not able to utilize your speed if you're playing in the middle. But Maybe that's where he has to go, just to get Bradley out right. of, of the back. And what can often happen is Bradley would drop in anyway, and it kind of becomes a three with Mavinga pushing outside a little bit. I like the... They they rolled it out, I believe, against Seattle. And if we're talking about Greg Vanny, what should he do, do differently? I like the 4-1-4-1, four, one, four, one, mm-hmm. because in that situation as well, we come back to no Altador, no Javinko. You're not going um, Jordan Hamilton to St. Ricketts again. No. There's there and like that to me is a bigger concern than no center backs. They have not been able to finish chances Mm -hmm. and I don't see I I don't see any situation where Jordan Hamilton and to St. Ricketts up front uh, outscores an Orlando team that has some attacking power. No, I'd agree. I think you have to go one of pick one of them and stick Vasquez behind them. I would say it's that's that's the biggest concern to me. Yeah, and let's talk. Let's maybe seg into that panic, which is um, <laughs> I was getting texts um, from friends and colleagues during that New England game. I had a colleague say to me. They're getting tuned up against a New England team that's not very good. Mm. Is this team... Is it time to talk about panic with this team? Um, When you were watching that New England game, did you get the sense that it's time to panic? I'm still a game or two away, I would say. Um, I think if they come out of this pair of home games with nothing or, or even like one point or two points... Um, they have a real problem then uh, because as we know they have to go on the road uh, a lot during the summer I think I can't remember exactly how many home games they have over the couple of months after that but it's not many 
um, as DC and then there's a Red Bulls game and, and that's about it so these two games I, I really think are, are big big games for them and you know again it's remarkable that we're talking about them in those terms at this stage of the year but if they don't get at least four points I would I would be in full-blown crisis by that point yeah what do you I'm a little more it's funny I, I went into it thinking one story that I did for The Athletic this week looked at whether or not it is time to panic. Yeah. And I went into it thinking no. And I got in some Twitter debates with fans and, and fellow writers originally thinking no. My concern is is that they have had... A, their quality of competition so far has not been very strong. Mm. And if you look at what's coming up, you have Orlando, which is in a playoff position in the East... Dallas playoff position in the East, Columbus, one of the top teams in the East. Those are the next three games. Yeah, and then you get into late June and July. You have to go on the road to New York City FC, which is a real, real measuring stick. And then you have Red Bulls come home. Yeah. So that's five playoff opponents. So my argument is, if they haven't been able to do it yet, and yes, we can look at Colorado and Houston and say, okay, we. But even then. This is Colorado and Houston, 2020 and all that, but they should have gotten points there. And if you have not been able to get the points so far, it's only going to get harder. And I'm starting to wonder if, and then you add up in Javinko and Altidore. Mm. Um, Panic doesn't mean the season is over. No. But that sense of urgency that this club hasn't had since late 2015 when they were pushing for a playoff spot maybe they could stand to use some of that right now yeah yeah i think whenever you look at like the points projection of what they need between now and the end of the year to make the playoffs it's frightening and particularly because 50 might not be enough this year because the east is so strong right um i think we will maybe see some post world cup come down for a couple of those teams but 50 might not be enough and so that, that kind of is an easy way to start panicking. What I would say is that TFC had a slow start last year, and so you can't really look at last season in terms of they had two points per game and that was a record pace because for much of the season it was more like 2.3. So mm. I don't think it's quite so alarming as it maybe seems in terms of the pace they need to play at between now and the end of the season. Yet their injuries were spotty last season. Yeah, that's one. Like... You are going to have, you could potentially have Josie Altador missing half a season. Mm-hmm. And while I wouldn't call him the team's MVP, he's the he's the guy that scores goals for you. They don't have a replacement for what they he just is. Do, they just and, don't. And it would be impossible to have one. Like there are replacements, you know. If if Vasquez goes down, which you know, I I wondered his he's getting up there. We know he doesn't like playing on turf. I thought. Okay, well, that's where your Keche and your Jay Chapman's come in. Um, and, you know, you, you can lose... You, you lost Nico Hassler. There's replacements there. Hmm. Um, there's 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 no replacement for Josie Altador. There's no replacement for what he does, the way he holds up play in the box. Um, and again, I'm, this is not to insist that panic means it's over. But should we be talking less about... Should we be shifting the conversation as team? Like, I asked Greg Vanny this week, like, are, you know, they were, 
they have been very vocal and stated with their goals. They yeah. wanted to do the exact same thing. They wanted to win the treble again. Should we be talking about TFC just now as a playoff team? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so. And that's one of the things that I think they found difficult is that they set these goals and they map out their entire season and they're so structured about everything. And it's just totally been blown up now and they and, have to adjust. Yeah. Um, again, what Vanny revealed from training this week he said he doesn't believe his club has hit the point of, of that panic button yet, but he said he does like to see it when his team is, quote, on the clock a bit. If frustration turns into collective urgency and it turns into a real clear perception of things we need to tighten up and commit to, then frustration is not the worst thing. I think our group understands pressure, end quote. They might, mm. but when have we seen them really under pressure? Because... There was the belief, I think, in, in in the playoffs last year against Columbus, the first leg. You watched that and you're like, this team is just squeaking out. This yeah. team is just trying to get out of Columbus alive. But you knew they were going to come home with a full lineup. I don't... Like, when can you really envision a time when this lineup is going to get completely healthy and full? And then, because I was arguing with, I believe it was Molinero... He's saying, I'm not worried about it. They have lots of time left. But do they? Because if you get Altidore back, let's say, late July, which I still think is optimistic. Yeah. Is it too late then? And what else could happen? When are we... And the other player we haven't talked about, Justin Morrow. Like, when is... Yeah. You know, That's... when is... We, we're still waiting on him. It's not as if we're, we're, we're close to seeing these injuries... Um, this this injury trouble end. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, they can't be fussy right now. They have to take wins however they come, which is something that in the past they've been pretty good at doing, like last season's playoffs. But mm -hmm. you know, the way they went to New England and played, and and just the way they've been trying to play really technical, <laughs> precise soccer when they just don't have the personnel to do it has been a little bit strange to me. Um, but I think, well, I'll ask this of you: Do you think right now they would take? Sixth and the playing game over if you offered it to them as, as the outcome of the regular if we season, offered right? it to them, no, not sixth. No, I think maybe not publicly. I, but think, I think they consider that. Hmm, it's a great question. I don't think no, you know why? No, because you, you know, they said it so many times last year, they want to be at home, yeah. they think. When they're at home, things can happen. And that's why I think the Seattle loss was probably more detrimental than the New England loss. They go to New England for the past few times. They, 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 they can't do it. Yeah, they can't do it anymore. It's just they're so ugly to watch. Yeah. It's an ugly pitch. The stadium is a quarter full or yeah. whatever it was. And it's just never, it's never an entertaining match. The Seattle one, I think, really stung the way they lost. Yeah. They don't want to lose at home. Mm -hmm. I think if you offered them fourth, fourth right now, fourth in the play-in game at home, they take it. Fourth would be, well, fifth would be the play-in game at home, right? So, or am I getting that wrong? Third and fourth play at home, fifth and sixth are on the road, correct? And well, hang on. Fifth and sixth play in the, the game before the semifinals, right? No, one and two. <laughs> we're, this, we're supposed to be the experts. One and two of the bye. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Three and four. One and two of the bye. Yeah. 
three and four play three and four play in the playing game, three plays six, four plays five. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Yes. So Sorry, I'm I saying if you could get four, if you could get fourth place in the Eastern Conference, and then you'd be at home in the play. Right? And really, right. I think right now, I I don't know this, but I think right now, if if you were to get them one on one off the record, I think that's what they'd be telling you. Home You're, in the play. Home in the play. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I again, I I think they would take a playoff berth right now. Just get it in and then they, they'll feel like they have a chance when they're City healthy. FC and Atlanta are too far away. Yeah. I, I think it's... I think that's that's done. I think the Shield is off the table. I think the East is off the table. I think the buy is off the table. And then you have to look at the transfer window. Because you, you are the capologist. <laughs> if you haven't read Ollie's look... First of all, if you haven't subscribed... To the TFC report, get on that now. Uh, you're going to find great content there. Some of which includes Ollie's look at the MLS cap, which even to the MLS veterans, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. Now, you looked at the cap this week, and I'm starting to think that they should be thinking about, if they aren't already, thinking about adding during the transfer window. Yeah. So I'll put it to you. Mr. Cap, should they add? Can they add? Where can they add? Um, should they add? I, I think they always like to get one. Like we've seen, they brought Ricketts in uh, a couple of years ago. Hassler last year. Hassler last year. Someone who just kind of adds something a little bit different to what they've already got. Um, whether they can or not, that's a lot tighter. Um, the cap situation, like, and this, I should caveat this as I always do. These are estimates. Like we don't know if the MLS off was spot on, but anyway, right. from what we have, it is tight. Like they don't season. Obviously, what changes in the summer is you can prorate uh, the cap hit over half. Right, right. Um, so it, it's possible, but then they don't. They not only where it gets tricky, and and I'm jumping in here, but the where I think they should be considering trading. Mm-hmm. I think you need to add Ricketts has given you yeah. I think you should be looking at trading goals mm-hmm. it's very hard to envision a situation a scenario where at the, the forward trade. position is maybe not in the trade but in a in a to me that's where it has to happen yeah I think Ricketts' contract is it's not about to lose at some point same thing for Clint Irwin. Um the, the contract it didn't stand out on first viewing but I think it's quite important is Zavaletta's as a new contract yep and for someone who's kind of, I would say, usually mm. in, sometimes just on the outside. I, an 11 with him and Morgan and, and Aro? Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but no, yeah, okay, let's put him somewhere. He's around that region yes. anyway. He's, on, he's either just in or on the... Rosario, who's up at the end of the year, is going to want more than that. Um, Delgado, who went for a pay rise as mm-hmm. well pretty soon. So you have all of these contracts that have the potential to go... That to me is, it's not a bad contract for Zavaleta, but it's not cheap. And that's going to create a tight cap situation because you can't have a ton of players over the course of... You can't move, you can't move him right now. I, no, I don't know if you move him, I just... Well, before we get into the salary stuff, which mm. which we will, what, what do you think should on that sixth spot Yeah, going into the transfer window? Which I don't think is... Un- that, that's a, obviously, that's an improvement on where they are now. Mm-hmm. That's going to cost you more than 
than any other position, right? Yeah. I'm a player who can make a difference at some position. Uh, and I, I agree forward what they did with Ricketts and Hasler by, you know, finding a free agent in Europe or whatever it is, then you do. If you're going to sign a forward, then someone has to go, yeah, you can't hold Ricketts and Hamilton and a new goalkeeper. It might be time to um, cut loose there. When they signed ahead of the season, that to me suggested that Clint Irwin is out. Like Clint Irwin is going to be gone. It's a little more interesting than last season because they went into the, the transfer window last season. band was forced because of the Betashire in- right. injury. But this season, they similar to you. Like, we're ready to deal. Mm-hmm. And we have they have pieces close and say, we can offer you some depth goalkeeping. We can offer you some depth scoring specific need. Um, it's all going to revolve around whether or not they get healthy than just the token summer transfer move. Yeah, and what I would also say, they're not the only ones. So I think you're getting into a situation in, in MLS now where you have all the more and more players who are getting into that 200,000, 300,000 range that could potentially pick up someone useful. Um, you know, they've got players like Justin Adam just couldn't really justify the, the salary anymore. I Yeah, I think it'll... Um, speaking of players and their paychecks... Just after we recorded last week, um, and salary structure uh, is about a f- as far away from logical as, as uh, the media are left completely in the dark in terms of how much he earns. It's club pay signed for. Yeah. Uh, even when Greg Vanny and Tim Bezbachenko, um, and then they're released twice a year. The players' union, because all players, con- the salaries are released twice a year, uh, May and September. I'm clear about MLS and you, 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 you hear, oh, Seba makes $7 million. We know that. That's out there. Mm. But everybody else, we don't know and we don't know. Uh, or for, for people that enjoy this kind of stuff like yeah. acid. So let's kind of dig into this. What stick out to you when you got to look at what TFC was earning? Um, well, to start with the positive, Alex Bono. 80? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there because he was 90, still... sorry. So he only gets a 12. And I assumed that would mean he would get, like, uh, completely negotiate a new sure. contract. But the uh, status of that is, but it's a bargain either way. That's, I mean, for the, had the United States qualified, he's, his name would be getting mentioned. He hasn't had a great start. Not his best few weeks, for sure. But oh, I think Bono is your number one keeper as yeah. long as you can keep him. Yeah, He's a sure. great keeper as long as you can keep a club moving forward. Um, in terms of value, <clears throat> excuse me, Nico Hassler gets a bump to 147, which is still great, great value, great work rate for what he provides. Uh, Nick Haglin still at 134, which yeah. when he gets healthy, great I, value. Yeah. Um, Chris Mavinga gets a big raise. He does. He's up to 560. Because he re-upped uh, in the offseason, did he not? Uh, he did, yeah. He got he didn't. Uh, and what also is kind of a factor there is that if you put him above a maximum, you can use ten. Smart from from uh, Bezbachenko there, but yeah, that one sticks out. We learn about him last year. Uh, well, a fair bit. Uh, Drew Moore on two two hundred. You're paying Drew Moore for what he's done on that contract for sure. Yeah, and I would like a lot of players envision him in a coaching role, so maybe this is a bit of. Mm. a bump to out of these but um yeah Osorio is still at sorry I think one that actually stood out to me more than doubling his money is Vasquez Victor Vasquez's 
current contract because this isn't a yeah last year now i thought that that victor vasquez his current contract is to go back to spain but yeah he goes from literally double i think he goes from seven hundred thousand. Vasquez is healthy and he produces a season close to last year still not a bargain it's a big jump and if you if there was any possibility of keeping him a bit lower like that's a lot essentially used for a fourth dp yeah and what we didn't like and this <laughs> There are a few big surprises. I can both agree, Agar Keche. Well, 1.2 million, unless you have... I, I actually thought, like, I drew up a big list and tried to calculate, like, really rough. I had a Keche at 1.5. How did you get to that number? And, I, and I, did you have Vasquez near 1.5? No, no. So, and, but... Give him half a million more, so... Vasquez's experience, like, to me... Given his experience, given that he was largely a second division player, he on Twitter knows that I'm a big proponent of Akeche's talent. But his experience alone, walk out with, we should be calling it 1.3. It's 1.295. Yeah. And, and far better value at the numbers they're at. What I thought was that these will be lower. Yep. And if you look at what this 1.5 million dollar thousand euros a week, which in Europe, and in this, a league like La Liga is, is a deal because he took like a 500% pay cut or something like that. But again, we know. But yeah, I, I, I thought Akeche could be the full 1.5 um, just based on what... We have a lot to say about Akeche. Let's let's kind of pump mm. the brakes for a minute. Um, Io Akinola, 17 years old, 4,000, which is league minimum. Minimum, yeah. And yet his total compensation is 100... Right. That's the price you pay for a guy who uh, had the option. Um, Whereas you're, yeah, you're paying Drew Moore for what he's done. You're paying Io Akinola for being great with no. TFC2 yet. No, that's been a little bit of a day after the 5-4 loss at Atlanta United 2, in which Akinola played really well. He hasn't been starting for TFC2. He's been a late sub a couple of times. He doesn't... I've a number of TFC coaches in and, in and around the system who have said his fitness contract signed. This early January, maybe. Yeah. So, what are we looking? At? Would get better, and it hasn't. Mm. Um, that's a big one to me because yeah. maybe three years down the road. I think it was a big status thing in terms of going for all the, the next few kids that come through. You know, yeah, Iowa State earning one hundred and forty thousand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know what, Mino on league minimum, which is if he can get a few more first team minutes, five thousand, yeah. which is. It. I wonder. I actually thought that was a minute. What he is. I thought he would be in and around the one million. Well, this could be a could be an age thing. Yeah, a, a tractor athletic um, had free agency to go into in the summer and probably had all who basically needed to get out of where he was yeah. and find something else. So, it's just stuff that goes on. I think. We are delaying the inevitable. Agar Keche, which I talk a lot about Agar Keche because. I think you and I both vow that bring creativity to the pitch, attack, yeah. and talent in a very both show. I, I prefer players that uh, that show their talent in a very obvious way, and and you prefer players that show talent in a very Marky Delgado type way. <laughs> uh, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Play players that um, just keep keep the ball moving. Yeah, yeah. I've been a big so again, cards on the table. I've been a big fan of Akeche 
since he signed for a few reasons. One, he's young. Mm-hmm. Like he's a young player, and he could be a part of TFC for a long time. Could. Yeah. Could be. Um, I like that TFC now have a legitimate scoring option from the midfield. He, just quite simply, he shoots the ball from deep a lot. And accurately as well. And now maybe that's because that's the kind of player that I was raised to like, but I like that option at his game of the season. Yeah. He just, it it was the first time where, because early on, you and I are both saying like, where does he fit? Mm -hmm. That was the first game where he defensively was a bit of a train wreck. Yeah. And I asked being the type of game that changes the course of how, um, of, of a catch a season much like it did for Mavinga last year. Mavinga's game, you know, new player in MLS, his game against Atlanta at home was dreadful. He was literally responsible for two goals. Yeah. Agar was pretty much responsible for two goals. Arguably three. Yeah. Arguably <laughs> three. Um, so let's unpack Agar Akeche at one point, almost $1.3 million. A very high earner. I took a lot of heat on Twitter for defending him, especially during that game. Mm-hmm. Where where are you at on Agar Keche? Um, well, there's some off the field stuff happening, which we'll come on to, I guess, in a minute, um, which maybe makes my opinion a bit more negative than it might otherwise be based on his performances alone. Um, the, the tough thing for me right now in terms of thinking about how you add a player to this group or last year's group is that they had one obvious need which was right back and they got two players there and then it was like if you're going to spend upwards of one million on one player who where does he go like there's no open spots in the line like right. really so I'm thinking like I, the, the obvious spot for me was maybe if you're going to play the diamond as they did in, in last year's final was maybe the left side of that diamond where Azorio played you know, on the one hand, Azorio had a fantastic game in the final and we know he's carried on and, and been terrific for, for a few months now. But if you were going to pick out one spot, I guess it would be there that you'd look for, for a player potentially. So I think in terms of the fit, maybe that's where they saw Akeche at the end of the day coming in. Obviously, he hasn't come close to really earning that spot over mm-hmm. Azorio so far. So right now, you've got a guy who is essentially... Like a talented utility man, um, it's an not expensive utility. It's man. not one point two nine five million worth of player, but like the the, the, re- the most positive reading I can think of for a catcher is that you have a really talented player who can come off the bench and you know with his ability to shoot from distance and create chances can change a game very quickly. Um, I wouldn't have much confidence if he was to come off the bench in a big game that he would do that right now. No. I think you're right. And I think that if, 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 like, is there a player who could benefit more from Michael Bradley being in the midfield than Agar Keche right now? Yeah, for sure. Like a player that, a player that could be liberated to play the way he does. And that's not saying you need to add a a sense of flair to his game, Mm. but play the way that he does, knowing that there is someone like Michael Bradley behind him to, to act as another line of defense before the back line. Because, yeah. like you said, he was tossed that grenade by Alex Bono right. on the pass. And what's he going to... Not... 
there's other things he could have done, but you know he's not used to playing in that in that that role. And and Vanny tried to describe him to me this week as a hybrid between like an eight and a ten. Yeah. Um, I don't think he has he hasn't shown a lot of the defensive abilities of an eight to me. No, but he does look a little bit more comfortable in possession from deeper positions at the same time, like the Philadelphia game, for example. Yeah. Beyond the context of Toronto as a team, I don't know why Keche would be in any team. Like, where does he play when he's at his best? Like, I, I think with Cadiz in the second division, it was as a 10. And yeah. maybe when he has the team built around him, it, yeah. it works for him a bit more. But I, I, like, I don't know what he is full stop right now. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I think is concerning for a lot of um, for a lot of TFC fans right now is they look at it and and the errors are glaring and the errors come after the the salary release. Mm. It's a surprise to see how much he's making, and then it's a surprise to see how poorly he plays defensively. Yeah, um, I think. I'm a believer that at the end of the day, talent wins out. Mm -hmm. And if you have talent and you have experience playing at a high level where that talent has kind of been manifested, then eventually, like, you know, you're going to get your opportunities because talent isn't something that just appears. Right. Um, And again, the reason I like him more and more is you... I'm also a believer in keeping goalkeepers honest. And I've said that so many times. And I know I used to scream at you when you and I were playing six aside. Like, it's good to just throw shots <laughs> on on goalkeepers. And I, and I know that modern soccer dictates that you get the ball as close as you can to goal. And that's where you're at your most dangerous. And that's where the expected goals uh, rise. But... He has a very powerful left foot. He does. And if you can utilize it and allow your forwards to get into position to maybe, I don't know, grab a rebound or, or create some chaos, yeah, that's important. It's even more important if you're going to be missing players like Altidore and um, Javinko moving forward. Yeah, it is. And like, it's been a thing for two or three years now that TFC have wanted goals from a midfield, right? Um, yeah I, I saw like a tweet the other day that's had some individual expected goals mm-hmm. and Akechi was on something like three goals already so he does have uh, that potential in him I think I think a player like Agar Akechi needs to um, needs to get a little bit more he needs to feel comfortable within this lineup and and the thing is we saw him when he was at his best against Philly the ball was just moving very seamlessly like mm. Greg Vanny loves you know like that's 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 what Greg Vanny wants like it's funny if you keep going back to it and I know it was like the perfect example but Altidore's goal in MLS Cup yeah. was exactly how Greg Vanny would have wanted yeah. every single goal to be scored can you not picture Akeche in there anyway like that's he could have he he played a quick ball moving style against Philadelphia so I think it's there I think he showed that he can jump in but for me it's it's managing where do I need to go in this system 
but how can I also express myself? Right. The, the other side of the coin I'd say though is that MLS Cup was a really good performance and the outer door yeah. goal was fantastic. Four out of five games in the playoff run were like battlegrounds, essentially. Just just like yeah. so there were grinds. Uh, maybe the first half against the Red Bulls was the exception to that, but otherwise they just battled their way through that that postseason and they only won one game after the first Red Bulls game. You mentioned it. You mentioned it and um, this will be our stat for the week. You're right. If we're talking expect, I like to look at expected goals and expected assists, mm-hmm. especially for midfielders. Um, Agar catch a third on the team in expected goals plus expected assists uh, with three point three seven. So we sh- should expect him to have, you know, a goal and maybe two assists or two goals and an assist right now. Yeah. That's ahead of players like Altador, Chapman. Jordan Hamilton to St. Ricketts, Nico Hassler. That's behind, only behind Sebastian Javinko and the 2018 TFC MVP, Jonathan Osorio. Um, <laughs> so what needs to change to get a Akeche, to get more out of a Akeche besides, in my opinion, just more playing time? Yeah, I don't know if I could point to anything in particular. I think the team playing better and the team having the best players available always helps a new signing integrate like when everything else is working it's much easier for players to settle in when there's a lot of things going on Um, you know aside from a player themselves it's tough the other thing that we haven't touched upon yet is the off the field side which is Akeche has a uh, potential court date hanging over his head so tell me a little bit about um you kind of, I guess we could call you broke the news of of Agar Kecha. Yeah, <laughs> well, if we're talking, this is it's it was big. broken in Spain. So, so what? What's the scoop with Agar Kecha and his off field issues right now? So this happened in 2015, um, and it's kind of I don't really understand how it's dragged on since then, but it has one way or another. Um, he was charged with essentially assaulting an off duty policeman. Hmm. Um, him and one other person attacked this police officer who was supposed to, well these are all allegations I should say um, who he, the police officer was supposedly filming some kind of fight or altercation uh, a festival in, in uh, Bilbao and Akeche and his friend or acquaintance or whoever allegedly took issue to the, the documentation of what was going on uh, and you know the rest followed um, and, and so what's TFC saying about this? TFC say they were aware of it when they signed him, which you would obviously expect that they would be. Um, and they essentially support the player's position. Um, not quite sure what the player's position is in terms of innocence or guilt right now. But What do you think comes of it? I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> I think what comes of it is they settle out of court and it never gets very far in terms of you know, criminal proceedings. And that 1.3 million doesn't look like yeah, 1.3 well, million anymore. That might come in handy. But um, w- one of the things that kind of interested me about this, aside from like the potential offense, not to um, brush it aside too much, but one of the things that TFC always say when they sign a player mm-hmm. is they, they work very, very hard off the fields to settle players in, uh, whether it's finding them houses, yep. putting their kids in school, Essentially, the goal of that is to ensure that players have absolutely nothing to think about. Yes, that distracts them from their soccer. 
Yes. This is a big distraction from soccer. Like, I, speaking personally, if I was the subject to this, it would distract me from my work quite a bit. Well, the only thing that, that would maybe balance that is that, I mean, this happened when? It's 2015. So this is something that he's lived with. Yeah. Um, now, this isn't, that's not to, to justify, but yeah, to, to your point, like if this is something that's on his mind all the time, it, mm. it might, it might have, it might be less so now because it's going on three years old. Now that it's reemerged at a time where like it's a pretty bad week for Agra yeah. Keche. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's really not, I mean, if TFC were aware of it, um, there's a whole bunch of, you know, TFC have always prided themselves as well, or I should say always, as of late, prided themselves on bringing in good character mm-hmm. guys. I remember I put it to um, Robin Fraser. Um, again, I keep bringing it up. And in LA, I was interviewing him for the book, and we were talking about managing stars. And, and I asked him, you have on one hand, you have a player of immense talent, might have some character issues, and on the other hand, you have a a, play, a solid, you know, workable option with no character issues. And he said option B all the time. This mm. isn't to suggest Agar Keche has character issues at all. Right. Um, my sources have told me that in Spain, his training uh, regimen was not great. He's known as a player that doesn't always work the hardest. Yeah, the word I got on him when he was signing was that he wasn't seen at Athletic as really having the the, the desire and the intensity right, to get right. to the highest level. Yeah. So, how concerned are you if you're TFC right now? Because it's it's is this just a a, a lot of is this just a few bad coincidences? Is it a really bad time, or is this symptomatic of? What, what, did, what did, did we did we maybe go all in on a player that we shouldn't have? Um, I think you've got to hope that they did their due diligence when they signed him. And so from a character perspective, I would have thought that they would have to be persuaded, like they knew about what the incident and they would have to be persuaded that, you know, it was a, well, either A, it didn't happen or B, it was a mistake or whatever and, and right. just kind of moved on from it. Um, what I would be worried about, and this is kind of... Uh, a metaphor for the season as a whole is is just a lot of things snowballing yes. with Zekeche right now, and you know, does it start to overwhelm him a little bit? Does the pressure start to tell? Um, and that's how talented players end up not working out, and particularly when they're young. And and that's a big difference between how TFC have recruited uh, with their big money yep. over the past couple of years compared to Zekeche is he's very young and he's not proven. I'm a believer in when things are not going well for a player. I'm a believer in putting him out on the field more. Mm-hmm. So he has an opportunity to work through it. And right now, if Agar Keche, either it, he's got to be in the 18. They don't have the bodies to make it up otherwise. <laughs> but he's got he's to be in the 18 on Friday. Um, I think he's in the 11 on Friday. Or that would be my move, is putting him in, in the 11. Because I'm a believer in giving the player the opportunity to work through it. And if you keep him off the 11 or if you put him in the 18 and you don't play him at all, then that actually says, then the, the conversation becomes, oh, Greg Vanny made the right move. And oh, he's not, you know, it's going to build up in his head oh, even yeah, more. I'm, worse, yeah. I, I'm where you're at because I'm a believer in Agar Keche getting right back in the, in the lineup and doing what he's paid to do, which is 
get through this, be creative, and create chances at a time where they need them. Yeah, it's a, it's a balance. Like you know, obviously, they've got to be thinking about points right now, but at the same time, they can't completely freeze this guy out because he's had a couple of bad games or made a couple of mistakes. We are looking at preferably. I shouldn't say preferably. Preferably, as in, this is what worked for them last year. A diamond midfield four of Victor Vasquez in the top, Marky Delgado and Jonathan Osorio in the middle, and Michael Bradley behind them. Mm -hmm. And I ask this because I'll have a piece on him coming out tomorrow, God willing. Um, Who's your fifth off the bench? Is it Jay Chapman or is it... Agar Keche. That's a good question. Um, I would maybe give it. I would give it to a Keche by a hair, just because I think if we're talking about a bench role, there's a bit more potential for him to to make an impact. But that said, when you actually look at Jay Chapman, has looked to me. He has looked more lively, livelier, more lively uh, <laughs> than any midfield player. Now, that's not saying he's looked better. He's looked more lively than any midfield player for TFC over the last few games. And I, again, I, I, if, you've, if, you, if you have a hot hand, you roll with it, right? Mm. Jay Chapman has been very, very close on these chances. He hasn't finished them at a time when they need him, but he's been close. Finished the toughest one. Uh, he did finish. That was what. Yeah, that was. A, if you're going to get that one and not. Yeah get ones where you're in front of goal with no one in front of you um a catch a on on talent but you know again jay chapman has been playing better yeah yeah like form is yeah form is temporary but he's i you could argue that aside from the finishing jay chapman is 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 in it right now he's in a good space right now Mm. um and again we're we're just talking hypothetically in terms of auto or osorio you would go with Akeche? I guess it depends on what kind of look. <laughs> but if we're talking Akeche and Chapman, I don't know, it's a coin flip, brain. Right? The question about this is, you, do you maybe need to leave on your bench? Yeah, I... I strike you as an older 24. A little while. He's been with the club yeah, for a long time. Certainly. They both bring you a bit of... A, a bit of pace they both bring you that I'm also more inclined to go with Akeche I know we said we would try not to agree with each other as much Greg Vanny and his coaching staff recognize Talon Osorio he had great playoffs um, he's looked talent is talent and if we're going man for man on talent well, they've invested in Akeche they've got to try and make the best of it but again a broader question is if yeah. the big money what's but B, you also have it for cheap depth. You know, that's the whole point. And then you can put more in the top end of the roster. you got to give these guys chances. I Before the game. Um, let's let's close with the game. A uh, few questions going to the game. We were both way off on our predictions for Seattle. So maybe we shouldn't try <laughs> that again. Uh, I think if Bradley's back in the midfield. I'll take, I'll take 11 because I believe that there's to feel pressure. And that was what I got from him this week. And, and I think he is, I think... He's seen enough from Akechi, and I don't think he's... Slightly, actually, because they don't have Jivinko and Altidore, Vasquez is going to go higher up in all like... A 4-5-1? Yeah. Which isn't a great... It's I've never liked that look, but... Anyway, I want to see him get a few minutes as well. To the... Into the 18? Into the 18. Telfer? Telfer bench, but I don't think we'll see him. 
Um, all right, which center back do we see? Do we see Eric Zavaleta in the... Do we see Eric Zavaleta at all? Yes. Yeah, right? I think. I think he's in the 11. You think he's in the 11? I think they get him out there and then you see what you have. And then, like, again, with center backs, to me, there's defenders. There's no sense in bringing them on. Like, you know, if what could the scoreline be that they would bring him on at 60? That would necessitate it. Uh, yeah, well, that wouldn't be one except yeah. maybe Mavinga can't go the whole way. Okay. But, yeah, I can see where you're coming from there, yeah. Last one. Even though Greg Vanny doesn't want to, to speak in terms like this, is this a must win? Yes. Yeah. I th- maybe not an absolute must win, but it's pretty close. It would silence a lot of the the doubt, wouldn't yeah, it? Like an sure. actual proper home win. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of you think that like even just a grinding one nil. Oh, it, it could be one nothing off. You know, Will off Johnson's Osorio's ass. Signs. Yeah, like I don't care. Yeah. Return of Will Johnson. That's right. <laughs> Will Johnson back at BMO Field. Michael Bradley's very close friend, apparently, which I didn't. I wasn't aware of before. I'm always surprised to learn uh, about the players. Michael Bradley kind of, as much as he, he, he let me into his world a few months ago when he was kind of telling me about players that he knew from Canada. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all, yeah, it's interesting to know, to learn about the, the players that Michael Bradley, or the people Michael Bradley has relationships with. He doesn't let us in, but hopefully Will Johnson gets a bit of a shout because whatever your opinion of him, he was pretty vital down the stretch in that 2016 run. Yeah, well, he broke his leg for the Canadian Championship, so... <laughs> what a gutsy player. That's, gutsy that's player. legacy, if anything. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Reds Report. We are working on improving sound quality. We're working on getting this thing up to where we think it can be, which is your favorite TFC podcast. If you have any suggestions, things you want us to discuss, please hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Joshua Cloak, K-L-O-K-E. I'm a Platt Ollie, P-L-A-T-T. Thank you, as always, for listening.